Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. We're doing a series of webinars to help horse people understand their horses better, to learn something, and to just have a great time chatting with people. I love doing these webinars because I get to see people that, you know, a lot of times, space and time, it's really difficult to catch up. And so this is just a great medium to have a, have a fireside chat, if you will, with a lot of my friends. Today is one of my favorite guests. It's Lucinda Baker. She's from Bentwire Farm out in Oregon. And um, we got to meet in person two years ago? Two years ago, right. Memorial Day weekend. Wow. Um, when, when I went out to her place and we had this symposium with Sharon and Laura Wilsey, Stephen Peters, Lucinda, and myself, it was so much fun. Um, we didn't want it to end, but of course, all good things come to an end and I had to go leave and come home and Sharon had to go somewhere else. So maybe one of these days we can get back together again once we can fly. That would be wonderful. Well, it would be such a blast. We'd have to invite a few more people, I think. Anyway, welcome Lucinda. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And as I had said before, earlier on, I just wanted to thank you so much for doing these webinars. These, they're really, really special. And as you said, you've done 200 plus, which is just amazing. And the content is just rich beyond rich. So I'm, I'm can't be more pleased and thank you for inviting me and uh, we'll just get started. Awesome. So Lucinda, just in case someone's going to watch this and they don't, they haven't seen your previous webinars. Can you just give us a little bit of your background, like a little tiki tour? Yes. And I'm going to actually, I have a, we're going to, I have a slide, I have a oh, slide perfect. series of about 30, which has the slide on there about me. Great. Um, so it'll be kind of a repeat. I'll do maybe half, half. Okay. So I, I started off riding when I was about four years old. Um, you know, the pony, my father was an avid rider. He was a hunter jumper and he did, um, he, what is called uh, uh, fox hunting. Uh, yeah, we have fox hunting here in Virginia. Oh, you do? Oh, it's kind of, I think it's more of a back east thing, but we, we ended up with it in, we're in our neck of the woods for some reason. So he was an avid fox hunter and I ended up on the back of a horse going charging around with him through my life. So I ended up on Hunter Jenner and Hunt Seat. And that's how my training started at Flintridge Riding Club or Academy in uh, La Cunata, California. And they put the when I would arrive, when I was little, they would put the saddle and the bridle and the horse would be ready for me mm -hmm. when I got there. And then when I left, I just handed the horse off. I had no idea. I did not know. So when I got older and I got a horse, I really didn't know how to saddle it or anything. So that was quite an education. And so through the years, I, I got from four to 13, I did all that. And then I went off with university, children, marriage, all of that. I ran two companies, I've sold two companies. Um, and I, um, I went, uh, after that, I got back into horses when I was about 40. And from 40 on until now is 20 some years. So I've been in horses about 35 years total. And what I found out through all that time is what I'm going to talk about oh, in awesome. my presentation. And it's called, don't leave your horse behind. Yeah. You know, uh, what you're talking about with, um, first of all, fox hunting, there's a lot of fox hunting here in Virginia. It's very popular, but no one wants to kill the fox because then you don't have a fox to chase. <laughs> 
And we're thrilled because we have a family of foxes, uh, a mama who's raising her babies, and she barks at us in the evening if you walk down the driveway. So we really love fox around here um, yeah. and, are, and encourage them to proliferate. Um, but the other thing is that your description of a hunter barn is not unusual in um, many places. In, in other words, on the East Coast, that was also, I was fortunate, I did hunters, but not that way because I was through 4-H, but the big hunter barns, very typical, the groom would get your horse ready, you would get on ride, hand it back to the groom. So, you know, that's that's not an uncommon model, if, if you will. Um, but unfortunately, you don't learn horsemanship. No, well, it's interesting because I would sneak out the back gate and then down below this in this canyon were all the kids having fun doing uh, games and Gymkhana's. We call them Gymkhana's. I don't know what people yeah. call them. Yeah, but Gymkhana's. So all these kids were. So I would sneak out with my horse and go down there. And I did that for like a whole summer. And I finally got caught and they were fur furious. Oh, really? Furious. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can't take this expensive horse out. And I'm like, why? He's great. <laughs> he, we won <laughs> yeah what's the matter <laughs> i think they thought maybe it was gonna mess him up or something or you well, know it hurt you know yeah yeah i don't know i was really young i mean yeah and i went down bareback because i didn't know how to put the, i didn't know how to do anything so i just hopped on and luckily i had the right horse obviously yeah My sounds like you had a fabulous horse. horse yes i had a fabulous horse ebony joseph Oh, great name. Yeah. So, you know, and sometimes that innocence, uh, um, you see that like children have that innocence, but then either when we, when we leave horses to have families and stuff, or if we haven't been able to have that experience as a kid, uh, adults coming back to it find they're at such a loss because there's no continuity and they, they recall the experiences, but they can't reclaim them. Yes. And, yeah. what, and also the parents bought a really nice horse or right. pony that was older and reliable. You know, they didn't buy, go out and get a two year or three year old right. for their, you know, their little kid. So we remember, I remember all this wonderfulness of this horse. And then when I went back to go buy a horse at 40, I bought this four year old wild little Arab, which is what my book is part of it, you know, as he's in my book, Nemo, the being heard little book I wrote. And, you know, I didn't know not to go and get a nice, broke, quiet horse. <laughs> so was your dad around when you bought your horse at 40? You know, it was interesting because he was, and he came over because we worked together in our, we had a company together and um, he came over to come and look at him and he goes, well, that's going to be an exciting ride. Oh, <laughs> that's all he says. He like, says, "Well, he looks good," <laughs> and oh, he walked dear. off. Oh dear! Thanks, Dad. You, you were wise when I was a kid, but as an adult, you're like, "Well, how about it?" <laughs> so, and I was at Monty Roberts' place. Oh wow! Oh yeah, good. that's my yeah. That's an old yeah. He's an old kind of natural horsemanship type guy. Yeah. Yeah, but it was interesting and people would see because I, anyways, I, I have tales to tell about all you of that. You do. Did I you meet Anna Pliny we'll... when you were at Monty Roberts? No, 40s. Oh, okay. Yeah, 40s. I oh. left for a big chunk, 
But then I came back and when I came back, I was in because somebody said we went writing somewhere and somebody's we got back from writing and somebody said because I started doing stuff with the horses like I knew what I was doing they nobody ever knew my family never knew I was in horses my, my husband's family and they're like what how what are you doing and I'm writing writing right now you know I'm writing and they're like they're like we've never seen you happier oh. and I'm like what and they're like yeah we've never ever seen you happier. I'm like, Oh, and I went, Oh, that's, what's been missing. Yes. So I promptly, no, I had, you know, when horses have not been in my life, I've had people literally come up to me and say, you have to get back around horses. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There. Let's get into your slideshow here. Cause I'm sure it's going to be fascinating. I'm just going to rearrange my space because you can't see that I have a skeleton and whiteboards and, and crowding me, but I'm just going to kind of make a little change here while well, you, you can go ahead and share your screen. All right. It's, it's all set to do. There. I think that's better. My lights are funky. Now, you might have to help me a bit. Do, can I make this bigger? Yeah, just start your slideshow. And then it will make itself big. Yep. That's all I got to do. Is that good? Uh, except that we're seeing, we shouldn't see the little oh, no. on the side. No, you shouldn't see any of this stuff. No, no. I'm sorry. I wish I was a little bit better. That's okay. okay. It's so I'm going to get out of here. Yep. It's got to do with your to... setting somewhere. Uh, hide side. Hide, no, not hide slide. Uh, do play from the beginning again, but you only have one screen, right? No, I have two screens. Ah. Let me try. So Let what you have to do is choose the screen that just has the slideshow, not the sidebar. When you share screen, you'll get little thumbnails of which image you want to share. Yeah, that's the one we saw before. Do, do, do. I, do, I do this all the time in on the, you know, and it just comes up on the TV. You know, my down on my... Yeah, what it has to do with, I don't know what those, oh, there you I, go, good job. I did something. You did, I don't know what you did, but. I don't know, but I'm happy about it. Me too. <laughs> okay. Big, because it's not as big. Big it's not as it green. Okay. Yeah. Probably, we're probably getting all sorts of su suggestions from the, from the folks that are watching. Hi, everybody, by the way. No, nobody's okay, nobody's coming in so far. I think you're actually in edit mode here. It looks like I've got something. Okay, so let's go here. And yep, okay. Yeah, right, so, gonna... yeah, you're in edit mode right now, or presenter mode as opposed to display mode. Okay. Um, so you have to click out of that. I have. Um, I'm going to get out of this again. Yeah, just unshare your screen. And I'm going to come back over here to this screen because, no, nope, I did it again. Okay. So I did it over on this side. And then, so we might just, have to. You might have might, to. Uh, um, no. So when you go to share screen, do you get little. Um, we should have practiced beforehand, but we got too busy chatting. Do you have the thumbnails that show your different um, desktops that are open? 
in Zoom? Ah, uh, let me get rid of that. And let's see if, okay, okay give me a second. I'll yep. set up slides. So rehearse with coach, custom slideshow, present online, cancel. Okay, and I have a little dog that would like to go out. I thought I had her all figured out. Oops. I can fix that. Okay, we're going back here. And I'm going to go. Yes, we should have done this before. That was my fault. Okay, I've got that one. I've got that button right. Ah, ah, found Sorry. something here. Ah, okay, here we go. Now I can make it bigger. Ah, this is looking good. Oh, you are not even kidding me about that. Okay, I'm going to go back to what I did before. There's this, and then I'm just going to go ahead and make it bigger. Is that? Nope, you're making it smaller. No way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're shrinking it before it was bigger. <laughs> okay, let's just do that. There, there. I think that's good. We can see it. Oh my God. Don't move. All right. And I've got my little clicker bee. All right, I'm ready. Okay. Is everybody else ready? Are we ready? Are we good? Yep. I think, I think we're good because we have one image on our screen. Yay. Okay. Wow. So I came up with a whole new, new program before I was Lucinda B and it was wrapped kind of around me in a sense. And I don't feel comfortable with that. And also it's not about me. It's about the movement. It's about what you're doing. Sharon is, is doing, Steve is doing whomever. So I needed to change things up and I needed to start focusing on people working from the inside out because I was finding that they were getting frustrated and people were talking a little bit about that, but they weren't really, really pulling it together for people and giving people exercises to do and tasks to do based on that. So we've, we've changed it to embracing change from the inside out and to reach a higher level. So this is the new website and it's up and running. And anybody can go and check that out. And I've expanded my uh, equine mandala. I realized that it is really um, important um, because if we're going to apply the knowledge that you've had Steve on with and Sharon's knowledge and your knowledge, we need to look at the horse as a whole entity, not as bits and pieces. We also need to look at ourselves as a whole piece where we have a worldview, we have our biological, physiological stuff going on, we have ways of learning, and we have our language. So really, we just need to figure out how to bridge, how to communicate with the horse, how to connect with the horse through this lens, okay? Oh, now this is where, okay, so this is my dad and myself. This was at Arroyo Seiko, and this has been one of my very first classes. That was Buster, 
And this is on dancing slippers. That was in the heyday of going to all the shows. And this is Atencia, oops, Atencion and I. This is my Warlander and um, my heart horse. And so there you go with that. So what we're gonna talk today talk about today is how to build a bridge for connection. And I'm going to throw in also don't leave your horse behind. And those are the kind of main themes that we're going to be going through. And how we're going to do that is we're going to review the similarities and differences. And we're going to understand why it's important. I mean, why do we even want connection? Why don't we just tell them what to do and make them do what, what we want? I mean, what's, what's the big deal with that? And then how to apply that knowledge when working with the horse. It's like, now we've got all this great knowledge about uh, the brain and all of these things, these things, but how in the world, what do we do next with it? What do we do with our horses when we go out to actually handle them? So that's, those are, these are the things we're going to cover. So we've, we've had a lot of talk about the horse brain, human brain, and um, I'm going to cover it like in a millisecond, just to make sure in case there's somebody that is not, you know, that doesn't quite, hasn't been watching or listening to that a lot. Um, the horse, this is the horse brain here, and they have a very large cerebellum here. Our brain is very big. The difference is, is they have a very large cerebellum, but almost no frontal lobe. And that's this little piece right here. I don't know if anybody can see my, yep. my marker, my pointer. Yep. yep. Good. And then our brains have a very large portion of the frontal lobe and our cerebellum is about a fifth the size of the horses. So what does that do? Why does that matter? Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about, because we want our horses to go with us and be responsive and to be calm and to be willing to do whatever task it is we're asking them to do. So we got to figure out how, what they need and what kind of support they need in order to come with us to do that to do that. And their brains and what their needs are, are very different than what our needs are. And unless we can address those needs from the horse's point of view and the worldview of the horse, then it's probably not going to happen. Those really wonderful things. So it doesn't matter um, what it is you want to do. It doesn't matter if you want to jump, you want to cut, you just want to hang out with your horse. You've got little kids in your life. You just want to get them into a horse trailer. This lady has, uh, is, um, no legs on the bottom left here. She is taught her horse to stay and he actually lays down by cues, but that's a connection. That's a connection that without that, she would not be able to ride. And she, she's a very famous person, but I don't, I can't remember her name. I'm sorry about that, but she's happy. <laughs> that's what I know. So what do all these people have in common? And that's what brought me to this. When I was going to the horse shows when I was young, there were the stars, the people that were amazing. They go into the arena and they clear the course, no faults. They look like they were attached to the horse in a way that was just, I, I was always amazed. And then I would, as I got older, a friend of mine actually became a gold medalist Olympic jumper, Susie Hutchinson. And she, I used to, and we grew, we grew up together. We started riding at that little young age. We were both five and six. She lived across the street from me. So 
watching her with the horses after a while, I started realizing that there was something that she was doing that was different than everybody else. And I didn't really address it again until now, last, last 10 years. I started thinking about why, what is it about certain riders that do so much better with their horses at a task? It doesn't matter what the task is, okay? And that's what led me on to moving as one. That's where that comes from. All right, here's a little bit of science, everybody. So hold on to your seats for just a second because I need to address the neurons in the brain, okay? There's about uh, 8.6 billion of them and they communicate with each other. And this stuff here is called myelination. This is a dendrite. The thing is, is that as you're learning, and you're getting better at something, whether you're just starting out piano and you're just going dunk, dunk, dunk with the keys, then all of a sudden you get better and better. And this stuff here is called a myelin sheath and it actually gets thicker and thicker and the information gets transmitted faster and faster when you get better and better at something, okay? So they grow more connections in response to stimuli. All right, and we're gonna just keep going. That would be the more connections is at the dendritic level, right? At the end. Yes, yes, yes. Good job, good job, Wendy. Yes, that's right. And I again, I don't want, I didn't want to go too much into the science because I, I could spend, a, we could spend an hour just on neurons, <laughs> you know, just well, and, on dendrites. And just to point out, you know, when we're when we're making a new habit, this is the process we go through. Yes. Right. And whether it's yes. a horse or a person, it doesn't matter. The process is the same. Exactly. And, and the process happens whether you're practicing something correctly or you're practicing something incorrectly. So if you keep doing something over and over again, that's not, you're not doing it. You're still, you're still, you're making, actually a habit. <laughs> making it happen faster. Yeah. So it's real. that's why, you know, when people, coaches and things are saying, no, stop straighten yourself up and we're making those corrections for people. That's why they're doing that is to keep you away from your brain learning and remembering the wrong things and your body, your motor, motor skills, because that is all part of this whole world. Okay. So if you have, if I took, if I took a brain and I set it over here on the shelf and I didn't give it a body, to attach to, it would just sit on that shelf like a computer that had not been turned on. It would just sit there. It does not know, it doesn't know to turn on, it doesn't know to turn off. It has to be connected to the body. Now, once it's connected to the body and this has to do everything that has to do with the brain and the central nervous system, both it has to do with humans and animals, any ma mammals, okay? So when, and when the horse is gathering information from the outside world, it's gathering that information from the outside world based on its evolutionary needs to stay alive and survive and, pre and make babies. Okay. That's its goal in life. That's that body's goal to tell the brain what's going on. Okay. So how they perceive the world based on their brain 
is very different than ours because our needs are different. Our needs were very different than their needs. So once you look at, start looking at the worldview of the horse and the worldview of the human, even though we're both mammals, they're very different worldviews. And that is probably the most difficult bridge to get is to get people to understand what is the horse thinking? What are they feeling? What's going on? Cause it's so foreign. It's like being around an alien. So, uh, but we're going to, we're going to attempt it anyway. <laughs> so they're bringing well, in information. Well, listen, I just want to ask you a question about that sure. because, because part, I, I think what's happened with humans is that we, we also need to eat, reproduce, sleep like a horse, but we're able to do that in a background mode rather than a foreground mode. That's, you know, that's a very interesting way of saying it. And I think that we need every single way that we can say it said, because <laughs> I think it's just so foreign that any way that one can grasp that concept that you just said is what I'm going to, we're going to keep going and we're going to talk more about that. Right. Because in the end, we're both organisms. So we, we both wrote, we have to eat, we have to sleep. You know, we, we need to, what's the difference? Um, exactly. But because of our big frontal lobe, as you have clearly pointed out, we're capable of doing that and not really, like I said, unconsciously in many ways. Yeah. Well, and there's, because there's something that's called categorical uh, perception. And I would like to get into that, but that's not something, that's a whole world. Oh, we're going to have to have a webinar on categorical perception. <laughs> I will write that down. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, I might touch on it a little bit here. So I will. Let me just go ahead and touch on it right this second for a half a second. Yeah, so when we, when we look at this umbrella in the photograph with this cone, we see an umbrella on top of a cone. When we walk away and we come back again, that umbrella and cone is still the same umbrella and cone that we just saw because of the way that we categorize things based on our perceptions. Now, a horse goes to look at that, walks away and comes back and spooks at it. And it's like, it's the same thing. That's why people will say to me, they'll go, I don't understand. I went walk by that rock a thousand times. I walked by that tree. I walked by, you know, the building a thousand times and today's spooked. What's going on? I said that that corner of that building was brand new and it had to be. It has to be that way because they have to make absolutely sure that it's not going to eat them. Where when we look at it, we go, yeah, that's an umbrellion cone. And I know that doesn't eat me. So our categorical perceptions are different so that when the horse does something, it's very, unless we know this information, we do not understand why. But once you know that information, then you can go, oh, okay, let's, let me help you. I'm going to acknowledge your concern here and let's check this out. Let's think about this. Let, let me be here with you. Let me support you through this. And as soon as you do, everything can be cool again and they can keep on going. But when they come around that corner again, the next day, everything might be okay. Or they might, and it has to do with light, wind, air, noise, people around, no people around. So it's not just the corner. It is the circumstances of the corner. 
So well, I think that's such an important point because their sense of smell, they're starting to recognize they can use horses like dogs for scenting. Absolutely. Right? So, so that corner may, you know, a, a bear could have walked past that corner. That's exactly right. You don't smell. So just because we don't perceive what they're perceiving doesn't mean something hasn't changed that's alerting them to now this may not be safe. That's right. And they're, they're geared for that. Right. Their whole world is geared for that where ours isn't. So yeah, they, they have a heck of a lot better sight, smell, hear, and ground feel Yes, than we, than yes. we do. For sure. In fact, um, that would be something to add to this slide is ground feel because yes. you know in my opinion the foot as a sensory organ is so critical to the horse <laughs> yes and it's funny because I took it out oh you did I did because I didn't want to get into because whenever I talk about it people stop me and they want to talk about it for an hour oh so I'm like I can't I'm like I don't want I, I just need to you know I want to be able to keep on moving through and I didn't want to thought okay so, but I'm going to put it back in I vote for you to right. put it back in I, I, I'm going to put it back in I because I thought with you it's different you yeah. know because you're kind of directing the deal so I should have left it in well Sorry. it's okay because you know like what I've learned is how much the foot is a sensory organ oh unbelievable and in horse speak it's off the charts using, yeah. using their feet. It's incredible. But anyways, oh, you get okay. so excited about that. Okay. Yeah, it's another <laughs> webinar topic. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. So we're just, again, I'm only going to go over this very briefly. This is the autonomic nervous system. This system talk, we're going to talk about the parasympathetic set of sympathetic or the sympathetic sympathetic nervous system and what happens is this here is when they're real calm and quiet this rest and digest and i know people have heard that before and that's important to understand that you we are like that also it's not just the horse again and then you have the sympathetic where this is the horse and it's pretty out of control and it's just it's checked out it's gone into fight. It's gone into flight. It just wants to get out of there. And once they put all the restraining stuff and they tie it down, then it will go into freeze. That was okay. me talking to the UPS guy the other day when I couldn't get the website to work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's right. Because we go up in our sympathetic. And the thing that's interesting with trainers or people who have been working with 1200 pound animals and young ones and old ones and wild ones that you learn to come back down from that very quickly. Whereas somebody who is a beginner or somebody doesn't have enough, has, doesn't just have, has the brain experience yet. They don't know to come down quickly mm -hmm. and so, or how to, and even what that feels like and looks like. And that's one of the things we also, I also teach about people, how to help people do that. And then we have homeostasis and homeostasis. It was uh, interesting because there's something called the gold Goldilocks uh, theory. And it's this place where it's not a place. It is a area that is, cause I asked Steve Peters, I said, exactly where is homeostasis? Exactly. And he goes, no, there is no exactly because our systems are, are constantly changing by second by second. So we've got a little bit more of a, a norepinephrine, that's an adrenaline, and then we might have some more of dopamine.
dopamine and then serotonin. And so we've got this chemical cocktail going on all the time, but the homeostasis is a place where we mend, where we can think, where we can figure out what to do next because we're calm. That's what we want. But you can't just be in the parasympathetic at rest and digest, and you can't be all the way up high in the, in the sympathetic. So you've got to have a little bit of the norepinephrine, which is the adrenaline, coming up. But then you have something that's called acetylcholine. It's just another chemical that comes down and taps that on the head and says, you stay there because we have to learn something. And that's where curiosity is. That's where learning is. Okay. And then once you, if you learn something for a second and you rest and you take a step back, that's when the uh, the dopamine comes in, the serotonin comes in, and that's where you really go that all of that goes into long-term potentiation and you, it gets into your long-term memory. Okay. But all these things take time, take doing over and over again and growing that myelination. Okay. So we're going to get kind of off of the, the actual science and we're going to go into some fun stuff. So they just don't have enough of it. They just don't have enough frontal lobe. Okay. They have some frontal lobe, um, but it's not used or it doesn't have that categorical perception. It doesn't have any way of making stories, etc. So a person might be screaming at a horse saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson you'll never forget. And the horse is standing there going, so do you want me to stay? You want me to go? Do you, you want me to move? You, you know, that's how basic their world is. Okay. Opposed to the story of this person who got thrown when he was four years old. He, so he got embarrassed because something happened in front of his friends and whatever happened that, that this little horse did that triggered it. Now that little horse is going to get it. All that history of that person's writing and all this stuff, even with their, their friends, it can be a trigger for a trauma from way past. And that's why they use horses in therapy. Okay, so they don't have a planning brain. They don't know bad or good. They don't know better or best. That's from uh, Dr. Peters' um, book, um, Evidence-Based Horsemanship. Uh, so the last time I came, we came across the stream, I slipped and got scared. That's, the, that's what the horse is thinking. So they've had a, an emotional memory about that. And then the person is, you did, did you do that to me on purpose? So they've got the story. And the horse has just got the emotional memory of it. Okay. So show me respect. You're spoiled. You're stupid. You did that on purpose. All of those ideas are human ideas. The horse does not have the capability to think those thoughts. It just physiologically doesn't have the brain for it. And there's no way that you can make it even think that way. You couldn't even get it to be that way. What they are is self-pres. They're scared they're confused, they have emotional memories and triggers and trauma. That's what's or going they're on. they're in pain. You can't they're, or they're in pain. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. So a very wise man, Descartes wrote, I think therefore I am. That doesn't sound very wise to me. Well, how would you put it? I first, I, first, I spook first, then I think later, therefore I am. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the horse brain is more of a motor and sensory organ than it is a planning brain. And I have three slides about that because this is probably one of the most difficult concepts for a human to understand. We, it's just a very difficult thing to think that a horse doesn't see them coming and that they don't, they love them the way that we understand that word because they're neighing when they come. Well, they're probably not named because they remember all the loving moments and all the candlelight dinners and all the wonderful things that we, you might have done with them or whatever. They're, they're looking and going, wow, this person shows up and it's a party. I get grain. We go out and play. Okay. <laughs> Food's very important. <laughs> Which is all very important and really wonderful. It's just not quite the same. So understanding the connection, okay? Transitioning a horse from the herd is where it all begins. So believe it or not, how you halter your horse and bring him out of his pen stall has to do whether or not you're gonna be successful at doing this. It starts. Well, I don't know that I will ever be successful at doing that because <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, I thought maybe I just really raised the bar. Okay, you did. Yeah, beyond my capability. That's okay. <laughs> I can do but it. I, I really just wanted to make. Yeah. No, oh, I love boy. it. I love it. I point. I was just like, uh, and we have to be realistic here. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. So. Uh, don't leave your horse behind. The reason I keep saying that and the reason I keep talking about that is because that is what I noticed of all the professional writers, all the people that I saw that were absolutely a mano, a mano. They were going through the obstacles down, you know, uh, what, on a trail course uh, competition or they were doing all these things. And it literally started looking when I really looked that they were lifting the body, the horse the, the, the body of the horse and the human were lifting and projecting exactly the same movement. And when that was off for the human, the horse would try and compensate. And when they tried to compensate, they became out of balance. Once they became out of balance, the show was over. The deal was done. Unless it was a, an experienced person with a young horse and was able to pull it back together again and keep moving forward, but never ever leaving that horse alone, always having some kind of contact, something. So we're going to talk more about that. And, and when to that, to that point, and I don't know, I, I'm, this probably is just off track, but do you remember Bill Steinkraus? I do not. Oh, Bill Steinkraus was our Olympic gold medalist show jumping rider. Oh, okay. And there's a video of him at a competition. And what's so fascinating is everything was so smooth. And then in this one jump, you could see him wiggling sideways and the horse pulled the rail and then he was back with the horse and he cleared. It was yeah. so to your point of synchrony, disharmony, synchrony and the resulting performance. Yeah, that's right. And that's the same thing is that people who are experienced or gain experience know that even though something has gone south, that they know what it feels like when it's right. So they can find that spot again. 
Yeah. So that's what people are learning. Those are, that's the spot that the people that are, that are trying to figure it out. And we're all trying to still figure it out because it happens all the time. Right. So when you take the horse out of the herd, they, you know, they, they leave companionship, security, food, water, rest, their friends, their, you know, connection, all sorts of stuff, resources. So we want to think about that um, and how we want how we want it to play out. Do we want it to end up playing out that our session is more like this opposed to this? I would think that we would probably like to have a calmer horse so that we have a thinking horse and also not a dangerous horse. So horses aren't mind readers. So you're going to go and get them out of the pen or the stall or whatever. And if you're distracted, you're talking to your friends, you're on the phone, you're thinking about what you're doing for the groceries. You've got all these things going you are not allowing the horse to feel supported or um, oh, you're not bringing him into your game plan because your game plan, even though you can't say, well, I'm going to take you out now. Now we're going to go and brush and then we're going to get on and I've got a lesson with you today and da, 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 da. That, those are all the human planning brain. But what the horse is looking at is, is this person a good, should I, should I go with them happily today? I mean, or not happily, that's the wrong word to say. Well, come if I know, would be if I know, if I know moment by moment that you're with me and I'm with you, I will come with you calmly. That's what's going on in with that because they're watching your emotions. They're watching how your body is. They're watching everything. And they're, they've got to make a decision if their self-pres has to kick in or not. They've got to make a decision at any given time. Do they need to take over because this person doesn't seem like they're with the program? Sometimes I really think that horses think that we're Helen Keller that they're doing all these things to help us try and figure out and to be with them. And we just are a lot of times not even paying attention to it. So staying with them from one task to the next. And when I say that I'm Linda here is leading Diego from the paddock to the gate. That's one task for a horse. That's one task. The next task is to open the gate, get out of the gate, close the gate, that's another task. Walking from the gate to the tie-up, that's another task. So all of these tasks have to be brought, broken down in the human mind in order for us to stay with the horse when they need it the most, okay? Does that, is that, that, does that make sense to, to you, yeah, what I'm saying? But I just wanted to go back um, to your description of the dendrites and the myelin because when a routine is consistent, I walk out to the field, I put your halter on, I lead you to the gate, I bring you to the barn, you're gonna have dinner. If we're consistent, they will form a pattern. Yes, but what if we're not consistent? No, I, exactly. I think that- And this is, where, this is where this comes in. Right. Because I have people all the time to me, they'll say, oh, I'm, I'll come over and I'll bring my horse. And he's really great. You know, he trailers really well. And I'm like, God, oh, that's perfect. Come on over. And they get here. They're like, I couldn't get him in the trailer. And now, and he's just blowing. He's just, you know, once he gets out of there, he goes, she goes, I've never even seen this horse before. This isn't anything I even know at home. He never does this. Well, he got comfortable with that routine. 
He got comfortable with the same thing, the same way. But what happens when you get out of that? That's what this does. That's what this information makes sure that you can, this is not a training technique. It's only a training technique in the, in the idea that you have to train your brain to stay with the horse. And since humans have 80% of their time as in the day is made up of um, daydreaming and a horse daydreams zero beside part of the time. So that means that's why you breaking up the tasks from get, haltering to the gate, because a human can hold on to that thought for that long. Well, I think, and I, that's the hard what part. I hear you saying, if I can, if I can kind of uh, feed this back to you, is that if we're consistent and we're present, horses can form habits just like we can of you go out, you put the halter on, you walk them to the gate, you walk them into the barn, they're going to have dinner or into the trailer and we're going to go somewhere. The inconsistency is when we are not present with our thoughts. In other words, the woman you just- Yeah, but that's really hard. It, it, that's really, it, that is correct. All of those things are correct. So what I'm doing is I'm breaking it down. Awesome. Okay. I'm breaking that, that whole little world down. So we'll right. go to the and, next slide. And the woman that had the trouble with the horse trailering, what she didn't realize was she had changed, which is right. horse re reaction. Right. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And consistency is a wonderful thing until it doesn't work. Yeah. And then what do you do? Yeah. What is it about your brain, not yours, but a person's brain uh, and mine too. that needs to, and that needs to now be there for the horse? Because even if I've seen people just settle themselves and get themselves calm and do all this and their horse is still going... <laughs> because it's not about the person at that moment. It's not about the person at that moment. I know that sounds a little crazy. No, but, but this the is reason I say that- Because I think that this is the decision yeah. that we need to make here. Because, yeah. Right? We have yeah, because the horse, if you, if, you don't, if you don't acknowledge the horse's concerns, every step of the way, wherever that concern shows up, it might not show up for a whole day. It might show up every five seconds. It doesn't matter when it shows up. It's the fact that if you don't acknowledge their concern, then they're going to take over. They're going to go into self-pres and they're going to try and start to try and figure things out for themselves. And that is what- that, And just calming oneself isn't going to always work because we no, haven't no. isolated from the horse and haven't addressed their needs. And they can actually become more excited and more worried when you do that. Now they feel so, like they're not there at all. <laughs> yes. Yes. Before, at least you were worried and handling them and, you know, trying to do things. Then you just, so, all right. So when a horse is in this state, okay, this person has not only left their horse behind, but they're, they're, they've gone to another state another county um so this horse is not learning it's gone into self 
preservation. And it's taken matters into their own, I was gonna say hands, but of course they don't have hands, so brains. Um, and emotion, and they're gone into emotional memory. And when they've gone into emotional memory, now they're really thickening up those, uh, that myelination. So this guy is practicing and this horse is really learning how to, how to react and be like this each time, even more and more and more. Okay, so this person here, and I, I tried to put some slides together to help people start getting, to start developing an eye. Right. And when I say that, I want them to develop an eye of what it looks like when a, when a person is with, their, with, the, with the situation, with whatever it is, whatever task it is, and when they're not. And it can be subtle. It can be very subtle and you have to really train your eye to start noticing it because once you start noticing it in other people, you'll start being able to notice it in yourself and you'll start to be able to make some adjustments for yourself. So this is a friend of mine, Angela. She's been training and writing for a very long time. This was a three-year-old that she was just starting. And this is our place at Bentwire. We have a trail course on our uh, property that we work off of. And... Um, She's one of the finest writers that I have seen. She's come and worked with me lots of times. She's balanced. She keeps the babies balanced underneath her. So she helps them. She doesn't just let her legs just float along. She stays with them, but she doesn't press. She doesn't kick. She's just is holding saying, it's like putting your arm around somebody who's worried or having a little tiny two or three-year-old and, and saying, I'm going to take your hand. I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to support you. I'm not going to let you be alone. I'm going to help you all the way across the street the whole time. So that's what we're doing, especially with young horses. They really need to have that because if they learn this with the person and they learn that this is what the people will supply and offer to them, then they start looking to the person for that support. And therefore, now we're becoming like the lead mayor. Okay. And so when something really happens, that's horrible, a, a truck comes, a person comes out of nowhere on a bicycle, they start learning to, 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 to look to you to identify if that is a, a run and get out of here thing, or do we need to stay? Can I just spook in place? And so you want your horse to spook in place opposed to turning and running. So that's what this is all for. This is practical stuff. This is practical stuff. So this is the this is a good way of being with your horse. She's centered, loose rein. She's holding on to the back of the saddle because it's a baby. So at any moment, it could get concerned. It never did. She it never happened. Nothing ever happened. But she's an experienced rider, so she knows. So she's prepared. She's staying with that horse the whole time. So the person on the left here, they are trying to navigate the, this log in front of them. They've already sent the horse up, up on top of the ledge here, right? So when I said it happens when you halter the horse, I mean that let's pretend like this person haltered the horse, came out and was asking this horse to go over the log. So before she even got to this obstacle, it would have been a really good idea to have already thought through how she was going to navigate this piece of log here. So she didn't have to leave the horse alone and start focusing on this log, 
Okay. She way back in the back about 15 steps before she even got, got to that log. She, it was her responsibility to analyze the obstacle, to look through the obstacle, to look all the way from the beginning to the men, middle to the end of the obstacle and figure out her placement with the horse's placement. And if it didn't feel comfortable and she didn't know quite how to do that, I would just step over one log. I wouldn't do a bigger obstacle that needed a lot of pre, pre-thinking and prep. Okay. So are and you that, telling us that the ability to plan is a good thing? This is ability to plan is a good thing. That's where the opposable thumbs comes in and is like, yeah, our planning brain is a very, very good thing. That's, I think that is really why we've been so amazingly successful with horses for so many thousands and thousands of years. Because they respond to the plan. They like the plan. They want a plan. They want to know, are we going to go eat grass over there now? Oh, we're going to go get water now. Oh, we're going to go lay down now. They like the idea of as long as it's calm, as long as it's quiet. So while they can't plan and we can, it's important that we plan so that they stay calm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because if I call to the horse and I go from A to B with the horse and there's horses in between myself and the gate and I decide just to go straight through those horses and those and my horse, which I've left behind me, is left by himself with all of those other horses to try to contend with that he's got his ears back. They've got their ears back. No. I've got my halter on my horse. I see those horses in front of me. I either move those horses off or I can go ahead and go around them. Now I'm not putting the horse in a position of having to go into self-pres, pull back on the halter, do all these things. I've actually planned for success. And that's what I call putting marbles in the marble jar of trust. And that is a whole nother presentation. That is, but, but you know, what I'm just trying to pull together here is, since our brain is different, let's use the brain that is different to make the brain that isn't capable comfortable. Right. Yes. Because we want to do the task. It's our idea to go get the horse. Otherwise, they'd be perfectly happy just to hang out with their friends. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) So this person thought about whether she practiced a while, but she's looking at every single step that horse makes through that task. She's staying with it. She's giving it enough rope. If it starts to wander a little bit, she gently guides it back to what if her core, which is her, she's straight, going straight. Her body is balanced. So she feels balanced. She feels like she's in a balanced world. That means that helps the horse to be balanced because horses mimic us. Okay. So if we get out of balance, they can get out of balance. If we stay in balance, even if they get out of balance for a second, they will find that balance and come back to it. And that is really exciting. When that starts happening and you start learning how to do that and make that happen, that's when the magic starts coming in. Well, and, um, can I just tell you a little story? You betcha. I I love it. Planning. So I remember so clearly, I lived in Australia for a year. And and in 1987, I wound up, long story short, at this expo, meeting this man named Eric Cope, who was there. They built a a pool to put a 12-foot crocodile in for this home show. 
I know. But the thing that I will never forget is that when they had to remove the crocodile, Eric, Eric, <laughs> Eric sat his team down and he went through the entire plan of this is, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, this is going to happen, he's going to roll, when he rolls, we do blah, 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 blah. And he outlined the entire plan and everybody understood the plan and then they executed the plan, but they had sub plans in case one of those things went differently. And that's called experience. Yes. And it was so amazing to me to watch them execute the plan. I've never forgotten it. Um, and it went like clockwork, but this is what you're, what I, what I hear you saying is we need to use that planning part of us and to plan if, a doesn't go the way we expect. What is B? What is C? What is D? So that we're never um, leaving our horse out to dry. There's a yeah. there, we've thought it through so that we can then execute appropriately. Because, like, say this obstacle here. Say the horse stepped into a deep mud hole and got its foot a little stuck. What are you gonna do then, right? So having those using the part of our brain that's so good at planning is really important when it comes to being able to be there for our horse. And add that to acknowledging, so you've got his foot stuck, you've got plan B, but you're also right there with him going, you got your foot stuck. I'm going to be here with you to, 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 to allow you to figure out how to get out of it yourself. If you can't, I'm going to get some help and lift the log away so that you can get out. And even though the horse has no idea about what you're thinking, they know exactly what you are putting out. They know exactly whether it's a sixth sense. I don't know what it is, but they know exactly what's going on. I just had a horse fall into a sewage drainage pipe and it was four feet around 60 feet deep. And the, Somebody took the container that was on it so nobody could walk on it off. I don't know what happened. Broke the lid. The horse is in there. So she has her front end, her neck out, and her back end out. I, when I get her, when I got there, I put her halter on and I went over to look into the hole. And she, I said to her, you need to roll onto your right side and get your front legs out. I'm thinking this, right? I'm planning this. And then I kind of get over and then I breathe. Everybody else is breathing. We're quiet. We're all breathing. No, nobody's got their core on her. Everybody's faced away. They're breathing. They're doing ocean breathing. And I went over again because she moved a bit and she got a little bit more up on her side. And I looked down and I pointed to the foot that was still inside. And when I did that, she lifted her foot out, put it on the ground and got up and out. Wow. So even though I was not speaking to her in words, she and I, she, first of all, she knew I was there and she, and she knows that I'm, she knows I'm the lead mayor on the property. Two, she knows that, of course, I do horse speak and I do a lot of horse speak with all the horses here. So she knew to watch me. So I already had established some very important things with her so that when we were working together to figure out the problem, she knew I wasn't just going to walk away and right. leave her there. 
So, and she did, she worked it out and we got out and it was, phew, it was a thing. That's cool. Yeah. So, okay. So this young girl, and this is the fun thing about kids. I, you know, I love little kids are so much fun with horses and she's not that little, but she's still in the little kid world um, where this little horse is, was brought into her life and is taking great care of her. This is what I was talking about, that the parents bought an appropriate horse so that even though she is not really concentrating on what the horse is looking at, or she's kind of just looking off and she's just, it's just, she's not a super connected like we've been talking about the horse because he's a good horse is taking care of her. And this is, this is a magical moment. And, um, this can go south if it's not the right horse. And, but for her, um, it worked, it worked out real well, even though she's not really paying attention, the horse is still staying calm. So so when you bring up this point about children and, and, and we all know that horses, you can have a horse that is one way with an adult and completely different batting the eyelashes, snuggling up to the child, their brain is not fully myelinated. They don't have the capacity to think the way adults do. And so, you know, do you think that's because their brains are more similar at that stage? You know, what's interesting is I have seen it because I've had kids that have been like, they'll come to me when they're like maybe 10 and will work through the years and as soon as they hit puberty, it changes with the horse. It's unbelievably interesting to see that. I think horses know that they are children. I think they know that they're babies. I think they know that they don't have the capacity to make the adult decisions yet. And they either can get scared from that and and move off. I have seen horses that cannot because they can barely handle themselves then they have they're they're just they're young and even if they're 20 they're they're young they haven't ever they just don't have any self-confidence those horses are not good with children right so you know it's it's this particular kind of horse that's great with a kid that knows how to handle itself can keep itself and focused and calm in this kind of situation, whether or not you take it somewhere else and it loses its cookies for something else. That's a different story. And, and just to uh, plug the webinar we have coming up about horse shopping 101 with my dear friend, Ellie Thurston to help guide people to make good decisions about. Yes. Very, very important. I'm glad you're doing that. Thank you, Wendy. So this is one of my favorite photographs of all times. And somebody is like, well, why would that? There's some people there and there's a couple of horses and there's a ball. It's like, and one person is on the phone over here. It's like, why would this be such a great photograph? So there's two entities I want you to focus on. I want you to look at this, these two, this lady and this horse. And then I want you to look at this lady and this horse. Okay. Now, if you look at the the way that this person is standing and the way that the horse is standing if you notice this person's leg is forward a little bit on this left side and this horse's foot is forward on the right side when horses are saying and they're connected up to a, a moving moving along and being with they will open up their foot They'll put their foot back this way 
so that they're saying, I'm open to this. I'm with you. Okay. And she's also standing by the uh, buddy up, which is a shoulder. And so she's in position with the legs. She knows the horse. She doesn't know all this. She just has been with this horse probably for a long time. She, they're a mano a mano. They, they go everywhere together. They do everything together and they have a good relationship. So she's saying, I'm open with my feet here. So that foot is back. So it's like, it's like she's pointing herself to that horse. It's like that horse is pointing itself to her, the way their feet are positioned. She's quiet. Her shoulders are down. The horse's shoulders are down and quiet and they're both alert. She's looking at the ball. He's looking at the ball or she's looking at the ball. The horse is looking at the ball and they're ready to take the next move together. Okay. She's not ignoring or looking out, or he's not looking somewhere else for now with this person here, this is the ultimate of leaving your horse behind. This horse is stoved up. It's head is up. It's braced. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) When this person gets to the end of this rope, she's going to go gunk. And that horse is just going to be like, I'm not going anywhere. So, and then she's going to turn around and be confused and come on, let's go. Yeah, you can do it. You're a good boy. You're, you know, you're, yeah, no, no. And then of course it's going to maybe go south from there when the horse won't do it. So keeping your horse with you. So if this lady had a horse that was like this, the best thing for her to do is to come back here, breathe, get herself centered and balanced, get shortened up on the line, loose, quiet arm, quiet hand, but at least letting that horse know, I'm not going any further until you're ready. And I will stay, we will stay like this until you are ready. And it's not the fact that you really are willing to stay there for three hours, (laughs) As soon as you say that, and as soon as you do that, and as soon as you acknowledge their concern and take a big breath and get yourself quiet and balanced, of course, it's going to go, oh, I can start thinking now because of the brain. You now have gotten yourself and him out of the sympathetic, where this group here is in homeostasis with a bit of curiosity. Okay, they're they're curious about it. And this group, he's here, this horse here is up in the sympathetic. Nothing is going to happen that's going to be worthwhile with this situation. So we've got a distracted person, distracted horse on this side. And I'm not, I when I point things out and I use these slides, these are wonderful people. And they might do a wonderful job and have good success with their horses at different times and what have you. I use these in order for you to understand that when you're opening up the gate and the horse is pulling on you and looking the other way, it's too soon to open the gate. I'm just going to let that sink in for just a half a sec. Okay. So what we're looking for is we're looking for calm connection, rapport. And the reason we're doing that is because we have decided we want to do a task, jumping a fence, going through over an obstacle, going through the water. It doesn't matter what our idea of the task is. We would like to get there and do it with fun and calm and curiosity. Okay. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're striving for. And this is the last 
slide. And I, what we do is, as, it, oh, it's not the last slide, excuse me. I'm gonna talk about the mandala tasks here, okay? And the mandala task takes into consider all of the horse when we're dealing with it and all of the person. And I need to have another slide with that. So these are my little guys. I wish they were a little clearer, but when you are learning and you're going through uh, trying to figure something out with your horse, you have to exercise and figure out your own motor skills, where you place your body, how you're going to walk through the situation balanced. So that's why thinking about it ahead of time, having a bit of a plan of where you're going to be, where the horse is going to be, what's going to happen next in order to move forward, all of that. But you have to have the motor skills and the horse has to have the motor skills in order to accomplish that. So if you wake up one day and you decide you want the horse to be a jumping horse and it's all it's done is ever trail riding, you're not gonna be going over a three foot fence successfully first time out, okay? And I say successfully. <laughs> So that's the motor skills. Then you have to go ahead and you've got to train your brain to stay with the program until you get the task going from A to B to C. So when you're doing a task, you're going to start the task because our brains wander. And that's why it's so important to have the little plan in your head. So you go to A, you go to B and you go to C and you stop there. It doesn't, long, doesn't matter if, if you start off with it being very little, like putting the halter on, stop. We're done with that. That was one task. Breathe, center, focus on the next task. The next task is to take my horse from here to the gate. Next task, A, B, C. Breathe, balance. Now, what happens over time is your brain learns to stay with the task longer. And that's where you get Olympians. That's where you get people that are professional baseball players, professional pianists. These people have learned to stay on the task longer and longer. Okay. So then we just go ahead and we have remembering it, how we learn about it, writing it down, doing it, actually physically doing a task and what have you. So practice makes purpose or at least good structural growth in the long-term memory. Okay. And that's anything you're practicing. And this is where I get to how we have developed our tasks. We actually have mandala tasks. And the way that we came up with this is I started realizing, I went and rode with Ray Hunt once. And I we went out and we got cattle. And I mean, like we went out and did some stuff. And I kept looking at the guys that he had that worked with him. I think it was maybe even his son-in-law. I don't know. It was, it was people that had been around him a lot. And we would go through a gate and he would stop. He would position his horse in a certain way and tell the horse, these are all very subtle movements, to stop. Then he would go and undo the fence. And before he moved forward, he would look back and make sure the horse was still in position, the correct position. If the horse wasn't in the correct position, he would redo the horse and get it to settle again. Then he would open up the gate. He would walk the horse a very particular way because these gates that are like this 
are bobbed wire. I don't know if anybody has seen them or knows what this is, but this is a gate that's on bobbed wire with just poles holding. So when you take it off, it's this wobbly bobbed wire thing. So if a horse gets their foot caught in that, there's a good chance you're walking home five miles. <laughs> so you want to make a you want to or, or doctoring walk. a horse not walking home <laughs> exactly or get making it worse or or whatever or shooting it because it's completely gone it cuts something so this is what these people have been faced with with horsemanship from the beginning and it was interesting because i met a ran a young man who grew up on a ranch way out in eastern oregon on his grandfather's ranch and he said because he's come to to learn he's he's picked up on this and he wants to know more and he's leasing a horse and what have you and he says because he says you're doing things completely different than we did and i'm like yeah i know so he said to me he goes well i didn't even know until i got kind of into the city i never even know that horses were trained and i said well that would explain that and he said well you just you took the old, you took the younger horse with the older horse to go do the things that we needed to go do, get the cattle, fix the fence, pick up the logs, move the logs, get the thing, get the rock, you know, do all these things. And you had to position the horse in all of these different ways that would be successful for the task for both the human and the horse. So the task, even though, and that's why I don't call them games because sorry about that i don't know if you can hear but i have some really okay. wonderful dogs in the background so like, hang in there <laughs> are you okay or yeah keep going we can okay. hear you. all right okay yeah so i didn't want to call them the mandala games because that was too close to the pirelli world and it's nothing it doesn't have anything to do with the with that particular world it does in the fact that you're yielding the back end or you're moving the forehand or you're doing things to move their body and their feet around, but it's the, it's to get the task done well is what our, what, instead of just getting through and just getting it done and moving on to the next thing, we're working on that one thing until it's really correct. But you we know, don't even you move bring up. up a really good point of not calling it games because you know what? Horses are not amused by these things at times. Mm -mm. And so that is a, a perspective that we might get, but a horse, to me, a horse doesn't view it as a game. The horse just views it as something that is happening. Yeah. So when we have an intention to actually accomplish something, it's a very different focus than doing it for just itself. Yes. And that's why doing a job is so important. And that's what our, that's what the tasks are when you, when we, when we're working and that's what we do, we actually set up. So again, going down a hill, they're figuring out the human is figuring out how to stay balanced on there. So the horse can navigate correctly and well, or like I was saying before about going through a fence, that horse has to do exactly what that person is talking about and exactly what that person needs them to do and then turn and wait they can't go through there and just run off so they know that they have to go through turn wait stand in a certain place for that person to bring the gate back put that back on then they need to wait until the person gets on so they learn all these things just naturally 
through work, through the job. Okay. And, and, and that's, you know, and that's what we think do. about when we think about like uh, back to the cavalry, there were tasks that the, the military person had to perform. And so the training was task oriented. And that's what we're doing. Right. And when you think about like working equitation and obstacle courses have become very popular because they are task oriented with an actual outcome. Right. Yes. Well, what the, what they end up being though is games or competitions. Well, that's that's just when somebody takes it that way. But a lot of people really enjoy doing like your obstacle course is there as a training. Right. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I absolutely. think that when we look at, I see so many people that are, that are not planning on competing, but like obstacle courses and like working equitation courses, because it sets up that focus of, yes. of a process to yes. an end that keeps one focused. Well, and this is, this is actually a good little story for a second. I had a lady call me and ask me to come and help her teach her how to get her horse into the horse trailer. So I went over and she had a nice horse trailer and I asked her about the horse. She said, well, it's, it's been a show horse. It's gone in now the trailer a gazillion times. And I said, okay. And I said, well, go and get some string and we're going to cut the string into uh, 12, 18 inch strips and give me about 25 of them. So as we're doing that, we're talking and the horse is munching right next to us, what have you. And then I said, now I want you to go. And I said, I want you to go. First, I went, I took the string and I went inside the trailer and I tied the string everywhere inside the trailer, all the way up to the front. And I said, okay, now you go and get the string out. And she, she started to leave without the horse. And I said, no, no, take the horse with you. I said, but I, we really need to get those out. You know, the probably is not, you know, I kind of made it an immediate thing. I got to kind of go. I, I kind of made it a little bit of a thing. And I said, let's come on, we could, let's go. And so she got up and she went and got the horse and she started undoing them on the outside. And then she started doing them on the inside. And then she started doing them on, and the horse is just coming with her. She's just completely focused on undoing all the strings. The horse is just coming with her. And she got to the last string. I said, now back your horse out. She turned and she backed the horse out. I said, it's not the horse. It's not the trailer. Okay. So it started to train her brain how to downregulate itself and to start focusing and doing the curiosity learning thing and the doing thing opposed to the thinking thing of how am I going to do this? Last time I did it, it was always scary. And I don't know what I was doing. And the horse last time, why are they horse? Uh-uh, you got to get, take that out of the equation, at least for a very short time. Then you can make that bigger time and a bigger time and a bigger time. And that that's when you start being able to put it together. And that's when people start winning these, that's when they start going and they all the way through a jumping course and they're successful and they're really got it all together. So this is what our, this is our course over uh, here at Bentwire. But this lady, um, she, this was a ranch horse and she was very, very attuned to going in and doing new things. So she, but she's completely with her horse here. I've seen her ride many times. The horse is very quiet. This was a young, when I saw her for the first time, the horse was very young, but she stays with them, looking, keeping with her, with the legs, but not 
shoulders aren't up. She's probably breathing. I can't see breathing deeply, not just breathing. And so we, we exercise and we do things like we'll put something on the other side of the uh, water that they have to go get and order and then turn around and come back out and go back out. And, but they have to go get something. They have to go get, maybe it's even a packet of potato chips, something maybe that they like. So it's gotta be something that can be a dopamine hit. And that's what this is all for. This is what we do in the arena. We'll set up tasks and it's not a race or anything, but it's something that, that you go and you have to take the food and put the food on one place. And then the other food has to go there. And so it's, it's just, uh, they're just tasks for getting things done. This is Frederic Pignon. He's out of Cavalia. Um, he is French and I'm sure, I don't know how many people have seen him, but I can't imagine if you haven't seen anything that he's done, it's a must watch. And the reason I, I picked this section of, uh, of, this, of this video was because at no moment in any of his performances, let me say this differently. If he leaves that horse for a moment, he is instantly back with that horse. So his whole being is with this horse doing this dance. If he falters, cause he's human, he reconnects quickly, shakes himself off in a sense and comes back and pulls that horse back in him with him and you'll see him, I think this is, you'll see him do that here. Okay, so there's, I mean, I could watch that for hours. Uh, his whole world is amazing. But the reason I showed that is it's, he's talking. The other thing that people don't realize, and they just did, they just finalized a study in the UK about people talking to their horses. And it's been a big thing in a lot of the clinicians' worlds and the natural horsemanship. They always want people to stop talking to their horse. <sighs> They've just showed that baby talk and talking to your horse improves the performance of the horse. So, and that reason for that is, is because the horse feels connected. Now, saying that, if I'm saying to the horse, oh, you're so pretty, oh, you're so cute, oh, you're so wonderful, oh, you're what do you do? And it's this super high pitched and I'm scared in the background. And that's why I've got all this verbal stuff opposed to yes lay down good let's do this together support like you're talking to a two year three-year-old trying to help them get up on a ladder to get on the jungle gym okay you don't you don't go no no don't do that okay oh that's going you know you would be like okay step one good good you got that all right now take another step good this is good would you like to stop okay you're good to go on good let's take another one that is what we're looking for when we're talking to the horse. And I have said out loud to the horses when I'm working with them, we are going to go from here. We're going to take five steps. We're going to get up on the podium, on the pedestal. We're going to turn around twice and we're going to get off. 
Now we're going to start. And I don't necessarily do that for the horse. I do it for myself. And I'm talking it all the way through. So Wendy, when you are doing a maneuver with a horse, you're th- because you have experience, you've thought and practiced that maneuver over and over again. So you have a plan just for the simple fact that you've done it so many times. That's the plan. Okay. And that's the difference between a beginner and a very experienced person. It doesn't even matter what you do. Piano, it doesn't matter. Okay. So, whoops, sorry. I'm going to go to the well, next I, You know, to that, I, I, I do have a little story about talking to a horse. And um, back when I taught pony club, we had one horse breezy and he just passed. He was like 30 something years old, but he hated dressage rally, but we were practice every spring we would practice for drill team and we would perform at another location on Derby day and the kids would do drill and it got them prepared and everything. And so here I was about to load breezy into the trailer. I had the two pony clubbers with me and we had to get over there and breezy did not want to go in. He broke away from me and ran away. This back in the nineties. And I went and got him. I walked him up to the trailer. and I said, breezy, it's not dressage rally. It's drill team. And he walked straight into the trailer and the kid's jaws just about fell off. <laughs> so, That's a great story. You know, talking can make a difference. And I've, I've been called, you know, a, a talker. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's okay. It's where that's coming from. Right. And when you think about it, you know, most of the clinicians are male and they're not big yappers. No, no. And that now, was the guy that called me a talker. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's interesting because Frederic Pignon, he does nothing but talk all the way through. But it's this quiet, supportive thing. And that's the difference. And that's what makes it so beautiful. And I am so glad that I get to talk after I f- found this out or I'm like, I'm not giving up my talk. I want that. I want that connection because it's very human. It's very me. And it helps me quiet my brain. It well, helps me stay the, on task. It keep, by talking, we are in the present of that. Activity yes. Yes. As opposed yes. to thinking about our dinner list or yes. what we didn't pick, you know, it yeah. is putting us in the present. It is a way yeah. to be present. Yeah. Yeah. So that is it. That That's the end of that little bit of magic. And wow. I'll go ahead and stop. Uh, how do you stop you share? Know, like the time just flown by. I, it's it's been an hour and a half, but it feels like I know. <laughs> no, it's great because there's you know I really love listening to you because it's it's um, different ways of describing things, and we need more than one way of describing things because we all perceive it differently. You know, that's the other thing that you know the the writing instructor says up down up down and the other person comes in and says down up down up and the people get it you know you we need different ways of saying things so that different people get the connection yeah. um, and and so your descriptions i love your descriptions and your pictures it's so out west <laughs> that's right that's funny you know you it can't seems normal to me barbed wire gate like that anywhere that i know of um, right, <laughs> I find barbed wire, but not those wire gates. But I know them. So, but you know, and that's and just to go back to what you said in the very beginning about your father fox hunting. You know, I have fox hunted, and horses love 
fox, the horses that love it, really love it. You know why they love it? They're in a herd on a task. And I can remember at a Thanksgiving hunt, I was freezing my butt off on this thoroughbred because it was 26 degrees and they had just cast the hounds and they were all, but that horse was so focused. He knew, he knew what the hounds were doing. He was watching for the fox and I was freezing my butt off and he was totally on task. So, you know, these, the kind of herd activities that we do with horses is also a really positive thing because they're in that group. That's it. A job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's really exciting. I, we're coming into a new era where people are explaining things better than we've ever explained before. We're understanding things better because of Steve and the brain and the ethology with Martha Kyle Worthington, who was my mentor and teacher for 18 years. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's exciting. Yep. I couldn't, I'm, I'm happy for the horses. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing I want to just say is everything you said about the horse, we can look at for the person or a dog. You know, yes, it's, it's this relational uh, presence yep. um, that we so need today in our world. Yep. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, this has been great. It's so I, super. I just great. love when you let me yap. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Um, and so somebody's just saying what a great presentation. I really, really enjoyed this. Thanks so much. And yes, I agree. Frederick is the most amazing human I've ever seen connect with horses. Um, and I probably sound like a broken record, Wendy, but I can't thank you enough for these webinars. Oh, that's just for me. Um, anyway, okay. I, you have amazing guests. And I just love, I, I love to have you back because we at least, I want to talk more about the categorical perspective because I just think mm -hmm. that that's something I want to tease apart a little bit more. So we'll yeah. talk about bringing you back again. Okay. Well, thank you. And thank you everybody. And thank have so a, everybody have a fabulous day. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.